And welcome to episode five of the Technical Rapport. I am Dr. Scott Kowaleski. And I am Mike Blodgett. Welcome. Our topic today is graduate studies. We have a couple visitors or guests with us that are going to join us via Skype. Aubrey Banning is a first-year master's student at Texas Tech. And Christopher Scheidler is a second-year master's student at the University of Louisville. 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 And he'll probably again get mad at us for butchering the pronunciation <laughs> of that city, that great city. Um but one of the things that I wanted to kind of uh, talk about before we lead into the conversation with Chris mm-hmm. and Aubrey is a little bit about what it means uh, to pursue or think about pursuing graduate studies in technical and professional writing or rhetoric and writing studies at large. And, you know, certainly uh, I have some experience in that and, and talk with students all the time who are interested in graduate studies about what are some of their concerns? What are some of their thoughts? What are some of their ideas? And I've jotted down sort of some notes here that I wanted to, I don't know, maybe put together some of my, uh, I don't know, tips or, or ideas or things to think about. It's it's by no way complete or exhaustive or, um, you know, the only list, but it is a list that we can think about that might help you if you're thinking about pursuing graduate studies. Yeah, got some pro tips, um, some life hacks, yes, if you will. Yeah, yeah. And so, Michael, I know that you mm-hmm. um, have kind of kicked the idea around. Yeah, but, here and there. But, you know, still kind of on the fence about where you might want to go with things. Definitely. Well, you know, I'm I'm 28 years old, a uh, non-traditional college student, I guess you could say. I've been doing this thing for a while now, and I believe that after 10 years of doing it, I might want to take a little time off to kind of reflect and and understand where I've where I've come from, like throughout my studies and, and where I've landed, because I think one of the most important things for me, if I were to pursue a graduate degree, would would be that I'd want to have something to say. I'd want to be able to add my voice to a conversation that was going on in the technical communication field. And I, I'd, I'd really want to feel involved and passionate about that. So it's an idea I've kicked around. And and yeah, it's it sounds it does sound like fun, though. It, it sounds I love learning, and I don't know how the absence of that – maybe that's so like subconsciously why I've taken so long to complete this degree. But um, I do like the idea of just, yeah, constantly learning in that higher-level research and and everything that goes into the grad uh, graduate studies. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe in the future, near future, I might. Well, I think that's a good segue for maybe where I want to start with this list because my first point here is it has to work for you. Right. And certainly in my graduate experience – uh, you know, I've met a number of graduate students both while I was a graduate student and certainly in my role as a faculty member traveling around to conferences and whatnot. And graduate students come in all different kinds of shapes and sizes from all different kinds of walks of life. And they're, you know, in other words, there's no sort of uh, mold or prototypical graduate student. You, you know, there's, there's, uh, I've had, I've had friends and colleagues who have gone right from their undergraduate experience and jumped right into the master's work. And I've had friends that have come from working in industry for a number of years and, and, and government agencies and then decided later on in life that, Hey, pursuing a graduate yeah. degree is something that I wanted to achieve and I'm going to do that now. And I think the point is, is that it has to work for you. It has to be that right time and you have to want to do it right yeah no that's exact that no that's that is exactly how i feel yeah it's 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 a it's a commitment that you make uh to again uh, to to pursue knowledge further than what you have pursued at the undergraduate level and for me that's what really kind of attracted me to 
graduate studies to begin with, is that I wanted the opportunity to be able to move beyond what I had learned at the undergraduate level and pursue things in a much more intimate kind of way. And that's what you get at the graduate experience. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of reading. Um, and there's a lot of thinking, but there's also a lot of really great conversation and really great um, camaraderie that you can develop through the graduate experience. And it's an opportunity to really deep uh, delve right into very deeply into the kinds of things that you're interested into. And for me, that was writing studies. And I pursued a master's degree at Eastern Michigan University. And it was a great community. We had a great cohort, uh, a great faculty that really helped me feel at home and welcome in this field as I kind of felt my way around and, and, and explored it. Cause I did come from an undergraduate experience that was not in writing studies and you know, so there was some catching up, but again, I think it was the right fit for me. It was what I wanted to do at that point. And I was a little bit older too, when I started mm. uh, the graduate program, I think I was on 27. So, so not much younger right. than me, Michael. And, you know, but it was that right thing. It was the right time. It, and it was the right place for me to be in that moment. Um, the second thing that I want you to think about though, if you're considering graduate studies is the financial commitment. And certainly there's opportunities to earn graduate assistantships where you can, uh, take some kind of role within your university or within your department that might offer you opportunities to teach uh, lower division undergraduate courses. There might be opportunities to work in, uh, well, at least in writing studies, opportunities to work in, in writing centers. And depending on the level in the institution, there might be opportunities to be a research assistant working with a faculty member or even in a research center. Uh, when I was at Virginia Tech, for example, we had the Center for the Study of Rhetoric and Society. And so I had a number of colleagues who worked as research assistants in that center. Um, but nonetheless, uh, those assistantships, you know, they provide uh, usually some kind of tuition uh, waiver uh, and maybe some kind of stipend. Uh, and again, these kind of vary depending on the institution and, and, and the amount and, and, and how these uh, uh, these assistantships are, are structured. But nonetheless, uh, you know, they um, you know, there, there might be you might have to take out student loans or, or find other means uh, to help support yourself. And for me, for example, I had a family. And so I had to make considerations for what was the best, uh, you know, for, for my family and our financial well-being and how we were going to work through the uh, graduate programs, uh, you know, on that stipend, on that graduate assistantship. And, you know, that was a certain financial commitment that we had to think about and we had to talk about. I had to talk about with my wife. So you want to make sure that you're thinking about that financial commitment and what works best for you. Uh, do you want to pay for the your graduate experience with student loans? Do you think an assistantship or some combination there? Uh, do you can you afford to pay things out of your pocket? So what, what kind of um, you know understanding your finances and thinking about that financial commitment is an important step in making this decision. The third thing here then is uh, finding the right schools mm -hmm. for you. And there's a number of institutions, our field in rhetoric and writing studies and technical communication is a growing field. And there's a number of institutions now across the country that offer a variety of different kinds of graduate degree experiences. And uh, I'll post a couple links to uh, some of the places where you can help that, that can help you find schools in the show notes. But, you know, finding schools that kind of meet with the need that you are trying to fulfill. In other words, one of the things that Michael said earlier was that if he w decided to go into graduate studies, right. that he would want to think about what he could contribute and, and, and what he would be able to, the kinds of conversations that he would be able to become engaged with. 
And so you want to take a look when you're finding schools on what kind of schools offer the courses, the conversations, um, and, and, and the curriculum that allows you to explore your interest a little bit deeper. And certainly you want to, uh, particularly at the master's level, think, and, and to a certain degree at the, at the doctoral level, think about uh, enriching your experiences. One of the things that I really appreciated in my graduate experiences was the variety of kinds of courses that I took and how that exposed me to uh, different areas of the field that I may not have yet thought about or had experiences to really kind of delve into. And so even when I started my graduate experience, kind of thinking I was going to take the dissertation of my research one way, you know, there was a couple courses that really made me take a step back and say, hmm, maybe I want to go in a different direction. And that's kind of ultimately what I ended up doing. And I was able to kind of meld uh, some of my research interests together in my dissertation, but it was a much different dissertation than I originally set out to to, to, to complete that I thought I would go, that I was going to be completing when I began my experience there. So you want to find schools again, that allow you to, to develop into the kind of professional that you see yourself developing into. And I'll say that maybe kind of taking a step back here, that not every student goes into a master's program with the expectation that they will want to pursue a doctoral degree. Right. And I think, you know, Mike, we're going to bring Chris and Aubrey in here in a little bit. And I think their experiences uh, kind of speak to that, you know, where, where Aubrey at least began her experience mm-hmm. uh, or, or, you know, her pursuit of a master's degree, not necessarily with the intentions of moving on to a doctoral program where I think Chris was much opposite of that. Yeah. That's and, one thing I'm really interested to hear from those two and see the, how they made those decisions. Yeah. And so you want to find that school that fits your needs, that fits with where you want to go and how you want to develop as a professional. And that takes a little bit of research to look through the programs, look through the curriculum. It might be a good idea to email faculty or, or see if you can, uh, you know, contact some of the current students and get a sense of what the culture is like there and how they're feeling they're being uh, engaged intellectually and challenged intellectually and what the opportunities are uh, and, and talking with faculty about where their research interests uh, are headed and, and, and certain projects that they've worked on that might kind of capture your interest a little bit. There's nothing wrong with reaching out to these people to get a sense of where they're at and does this meet and gel with where you want to go. So after you found some schools and you, and you created that list, you know, you might create a list, and, and I, I and I created a spreadsheet, and I think Aubrey created a spreadsheet, and Chris created a spreadsheet, and this is you know again kind of our our ability to to want to organize and think through and make mm-hmm. some logical kinds of choices, but the the spreadsheet allowed me to keep things organized, and I think I had a list at one point. Of, uh, well, I think at one point the list was at about 20. Uh, I narrowed that down to about 12, and I think I ultimately ended up applying to eight. And I'm thinking here specifically the, the doctoral programs that I applied to, um, but you want to be able to kind of keep that list and and when you prepare your materials so this is the 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 fourth tip here that I want to share is when you prepare your materials you want to tailor each of your documents to the specific institution for which you're applying I'll repeat that you want to tailor those materials now certainly there might be some 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 content within those materials that is the same that you send from institution to institution but nonetheless you want to be able to include some kind of content uh, usually a couple paragraphs that really dive into what it is about that institution that uh, you know, you think would allow you to succeed, how you can see yourself becoming involved, the kind of faculty or the faculty there that you want to work with and the kinds of projects that you want to work on. So it's being able to tailor that material to the specific institution. This takes a little bit of time, certainly, because you're going to have to, uh, 
you know, really do some preparation and create different kinds of materials for each application that's going out. But in the end, it will be worth it. You'll have some very uh, tailored documents to those specific institutions. And at the end, Michael, right, it's, it's what we teach. Right. Thinking about your audience. Yeah, yeah, uh, and, and what their <laughs> what their needs, values, and attitudes yep. are and how you're able to address those needs, values, and attitudes. Mm-hmm. Um, within that, though, as you're preparing these materials, you're tailoring them to a specific institution, you want to be able to clearly articulate some sort of research interests. Knowing, I think, to a certain extent, I tell students this sometimes, knowing that those interests might evolve or change when you reach the institution. Again, I talked about how some of my uh, research interests sort of changed as I began in, in the Ph.D. program at Virginia Tech. But at the same time, you want to be able to start out as you're preparing these uh, materials with some kind of trajectory. And that trajectory, again, should somehow fit in with within the scope of the institution and where they're going and the faculty that they have there and some of their research uh, interest. And so when you're thinking about these materials, again, tailor and be specific about where you want to go and what you want to do, keeping in the back of your mind that, hey, maybe some of those things will change. And that's okay. That's kind of expected. Um, that's all the things that I think you want to do as you're uh, preparing sort of the pre edge or getting ready to think about which schools you want to send out applications to. Once you start getting some offers in, uh, the one thing that I would say is if at all possible, and in any instance where it is possible, you want to visit that institution. Uh, you know, again, this is a commitment that you're going to make to live for two, four, maybe five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so getting a sense of the community, the environment, the institution, try to meet while you're there with as many faculty and student as is available. And again, get a good sense of the culture that surrounds that institution and try to see if this is a good fit for you. And I think that that word fit is really important because that's what you want to find ultimately is an institution that you feel really fits you. And you'll know this when you know it, uh, you'll feel, you'll say, you know, this is someplace that I feel welcomed, that I feel that I could grow intellectually, that I think will challenge me. But at the same time, that is, that is uh, comfortable and welcoming and is really conducive to, again, the kind of professional that you want to develop into. Um, so make those visits. And again, I recognize that this is in some cases challenging given geographical locations and financial limitations. Uh, but there are some institutions that will help to at least kind of uh, take care of some of that cost. They might pay for your hotel room or they might pay for you for your mileage or a plane ticket or something. So if there's opportunities for those kinds of travel arrangements, ask about them and take advantage of them. And again, try to visit as many institutions that you can once you start getting some acceptance letters in. Um, so there's my tips uh, again, sort of the pre here's what we're doing as you're applying. And then once you start getting some offers, uh, some of the things that you should think about doing in, in terms of taking visits, Am I missing anything, Michael? No, I, that, I think you covered everything there. And I, again, I'm really uh, looking forward to hearing what uh, Aubrey and Chris uh, think about those 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 tips and those pointers, and just to kind of pick their brains a little bit and see and maybe they can convince me to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I know that they'll have uh, some rich experiences from which to draw, and I'm looking forward to that conversation. So let's not maybe put that off any longer, and let's jump into getting a hold right. of Aubrey and Chris. Sounds good. Let's get after it. All right, joining us today are Aubrey Banning and Chris Scheidler, two PTW graduates. Uh, Aubrey is currently in her first semester at Texas Tech University in their master's program, 
and Chris is in his second year at the University of Louisville, and they join us via Skype uh, from their respective locations in Lubbock, Texas, and Louisville, Kentucky. So welcome, Aubrey and Chris. Thanks for having us. Uh, I want to get started just by uh, having you guys talk a little bit so far about your experiences in graduate school. Uh, how, what have those experiences been like for you, and uh, how much fun are you having? Uh, tons of fun. <laughs> well, Aubrey, you can start then. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm having a ton of fun. So uh, I'm on, what, week 10 or something like that? I said last week. Last week I made a comment like, it's all, it's only the the middle of the semester, and someone said, "Aubrey, we're on like week nine. Like, we only have a couple weeks left. I, yeah, I'm not sure what you're talking about. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is that far already. Um, but you know, it's really great. And one of my favorite things here is, you know, that I have like a pretty small cohort. It's like less than ten of us, even with the new PhD students. Um, and so, yeah, we're really tight people. Also, I wish I could say that it was really warm here because I know that it's freezing cold in Michigan, but it's only like 55, maybe 60 here right now. No, I'd take that today. Yeah, today is it's it's brutal up here today. (laughs) It's gnarly. Yeah, so, um, well, it's it's about middle of that right now in Kentucky, in Louisville, Kentucky, and uh, props to Dr. Scott for, um, you're trying, you're trying to get it. with the pronunciation, oh. but oh, you know, like yeah. I said, I've heard it so many different ways. So I try, I try. You're doing, you're doing a great job. Oh, thank you. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, weather's about forty degrees. <laughs> We're gonna have to here. change the name of the podcast to the Weather Report. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, seriously, I'm having a lot of fun down here, doing a lot of fun things with um, great people in the program. Getting along really well with all the other students. Faculty are great. Uh, really supportive place. So, I mean, I can't speak highly enough of the good time that I'm having. I don't know if it's reciprocated, but I know I'm enjoying myself. So, so I mean, I guess beyond the, the fun and the excitement of graduate studies, what have you guys seen as being maybe the most challenging or what has pushed you a little bit beyond your undergraduate experience? Uh I, I guess I like I always felt a pressure to do well, but now I'm among other students who, you know, similarly strive to do excellent work, right? Um, so it's it's kind of like it's not a, we're not a competitive program in that sense, right? We're not like head to head. We're actually really, really supportive, and we talk all the time. Um, but it's definitely it definitely gets intense, you know. The other night I spent. I think like it was like 12 hours straight at school because I got there early, did some reading, had class, and then I just immediately sat down and like cranked out the second half of an assignment that was due at midnight, (laughs) which is a normal thing. I I remember days when I was in my master's program in particular where I would go in early in the morning when it was still dark out and my Mm -hmm. office was a cinder blocked office with no windows, like in the middle of this this building. (laughs) And I would literally leave after it was dark. And so I never saw the sun shine. People told me the sun was out, but I didn't know if I believed it or not. Take their word for it. Yeah. Sleep and sun. I mean, I can definitely relate to this. Um, (laughs) These are things I've experienced. (laughs) My office is in the basement. So, um, not so much this semester. I think I've struck, struck like a better balance. But last semester, I mean, the 12-hour day was a regular, you know, a couple times a week, uh, sometimes a 16-hour day. Granted, I was in the 
writing center with the best view of campus on the third floor of the library, looking over the sort of student yard. Um, so I saw the sun and I saw people enjoying it, which I think maybe cynical, maybe. <laughs> um, I think the most difficult part, aside from like scheduling and stuff, um, it's just that the genre of school in grad school is different. The format's different, right? Um, it's, it's just different, which I'm told I, I tell people like as they come into the program, well, you know, it's, it's just different. And they go, yeah, well, that doesn't help me. How is it different? <laughs> uh, so I guess more concretely, you're expected, more is expected of you. And by more, I mean a different type of more. It's like an in-depth more but also a so like really know the text to really have have read it and understand it pretty well but then also be prepared to make connections outside of the text and that's where i think um <clears throat> that's where like i think it's most uncomfortable to be a new grad student is to be sitting there okay so we all read victor villanueva now um now let's talk a little a little bit about Raymond Williams. Or oh, here's something that you can do with Foucault in this, right? Like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> I just I didn't get those books. What do you mean? Well, you know, I, I I feel like maybe we're kind of given the scary version and we've talked a little bit about challenges, but certainly with those challenges and and some of those um you know, those those moments of, of, of compromise and, 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 and hard work, what are some of the rewards uh, and the rewarding experiences that you've had as a graduate student in your studies so far? Um, well, I mean, uh, I wouldn't be doing it if I didn't want to do it. I think it's all very rewarding. And sometimes it doesn't, like, I don't recognize it as rewarding right away. So I turn in the paper. I'm like, I'm just glad to be done with that. Right. right? Or I get accepted to a conference and I'm like, now I have to write that paper. <laughs> no. But um, at the end of the semester, there comes a point where you're like, wow, I, I did a lot this semester. I'm really proud of all the things. And maybe I, I don't think, like, some of the papers, some of the seminar papers I did were of like any substance and I'd, I'd want to publish them or put them out, you know, out elsewhere. Um, but often I'm like, I, I did a thing and um, it was worthwhile to me. I learned a lot. And I mean, I know that I learned a lot. Can I tell other people I learned a lot? Sure. Will they believe me? I don't know. Right. Um, so those are always rewarding. And then there's always, you know, that, a moment in class where you're talking about things and you're like, I know this. Um, <laughs> this is great. I've got something to say. This is really important. And you share it. And sometimes it, it just flies like, you mm -hmm. know, like a baseball. It just goes over the plate and nobody swings at it. Other times someone's like, yeah, me too. And they knock it out of the park and the two of you like round the bases together. <laughs> That's a great analogy. <laughs> like, so I went to baseball, Very timely so. too. It must be the, <laughs> the World Series. <laughs> it gotta be. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, so I guess for me, obviously, I'm kind of, you know, I'm still at the I'm still kind of at the beginning, right? I haven't had to write any of my seminar papers yet. Uh, I guess I'll say I'm taking, I'm, I'm kind of taking two of the basics right now to the classes I'm required to take, um, which is composition, and then foundations of technical communication. Cool. And so both of them are, you know, kind of reading intensive, theory heavy, um, an application light, right? But um, they're both still really great. And even the comp class, 
uh, that I would have thought, oh, you know, maybe this isn't really something I'm interested in um, because it's not very applied. It's a lot more about uh, obviously like composition pedagogy and we're learning about the history of composition. It's still really cool. Like I researched Iowa State's um, ISUCOM the other day, which is their first year composition program. And it's actually... I was like, oh, wait, like there are composition programs out there that are really heavily multimodal and that really focus on um, writing across the curriculum and are, you know, have all these really strong ties to uh, not only written rhetorical analysis, but, you know, visual analysis. And, you know, they make their students do electronic portfolios. And I was like, okay, I guess. I guess this is kind of cool too. Like, this is kind of interesting. Uh, and then my third class is probably my favorite and that's uh disability studies and web accessibility so actually that was the one of the assignments i was working on last week was i was writing my web accessibility report and you know until midnight but at the same time these are like things that i didn't even know existed a few weeks ago mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. i don't know I don't know. I guess it's all it's all just great and maybe it's all still great because it's all still new and novel and I haven't gotten tired of any of the conversations yet, you know. Um but I can't imagine myself getting tired of them because I I don't know. Like we're we're just covering really great stuff and uh I'm with really awesome people. Well, it sounds like you guys are having like uh, just a ton of fun like <laughs> like in in grad school and I guess so I one of my questions is so you didn't you didn't really um, know what to expect when you when you were setting out to go to grad school. Why did you choose grad school over maybe a different path? <laughs> uh, okay, so for me, there was no sure thing that I was going to end up here, um, that I was going to end up in grad school. I was actually very adamant about how uncertain I was about whether I wanted to go to grad school and I, you know, I know that I told Dr. Scott and Dr. Herzog and Dr. Jorgensen as much, you know, Chris is compiling all of his, um, his master school applications and he's like, you know, receding into the deep depths of the RPW suite. And I'm just like, mm, I don't know. I don't know if that's for me. I'm not sure what I'm doing yet. I don't know if I could take immediately jumping into grad school. And I still don't think that I could have. Um, but I you know, took a year off and I went to visit family in California for three months and I just like laid on the beach a lot, went shopping a little bit, <laughs> just, just like took on that whole California chill, I guess. <laughs> and that West Coast vibe. <laughs> yes. And then, um, yeah. And then I got home and I was like, oh, I guess I should get myself together and like figure out what I'm doing. So I started, um, working on grad school applications I applied for jobs. I uh, put in an application to the Peace Corps. Um, I mean, like, I actually, like, had an interview. So, I mean, granted, like, first stage interview. But I had an interview with them um, to potentially go to Namibia. And uh, then I got my first grad school acceptance, which was Texas Tech, with my assistantship offer. And I was like, sorry, Peace Corps. I think this girl's cool. I'm going to grad school. So... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so the deep, dark depths. I mean, I am vengeance. I am the night. I am Batman. Um, I guess, sure. Uh, so I went to grad school. I mean, it was sort of on the radar for a long time for me. Um, I remember 
like I had thought about it when I started at SVSU, so I had transferred and I had already like I didn't have the California trip, but I had found myself in other trips, like living in Florida and living in other places. So um, I had already sort of done that. So grad school right after undergrad, it was right for me, um, and I, I knew that I wanted to be in academia. I wanted to be in a position where I could teach and research um, writing whatever that means, right, which I still haven't found the answer to. So um, so grad school just sort of came naturally to me um, as far as, like, what I would do next. And I remember I was in uh, Dr. Jorgensen's environmental rhetoric class, and I was thinking, you know, grad school, yeah, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. Uh, I had already written a bit about grad school in uh, Dr. Dallas's intro to the PTW class, and I was going to talk to Dr. Jorgensen about something. I forget exactly what I was going to – I had to see her in, after class. And somebody else was in front of me. I don't know who it was. But they are like, I need to talk to you about going to grad school. She's like, great. Um, meet me in my office and we'll like set up a plan to get you into a place and we'll work together. And I'm like, wait a minute. Like, SVSU, like, you guys – we're team players? Like, that works? <laughs> I didn't know. I didn't know, like, this was a, I didn't know that this was a team sport. Really? So I'm like, okay. I have something to tell you, but first, like, I want what she just got, right? I mean, you <laughs> right. can't take that away. I, you've played your cards. So, of course, Dr. Jorgensen was like, yeah, of course I will help you with this. <laughs> of course we'll look at programs. Of course I'll give you ways of, of looking and thinking about grad school um, and sort of situating yourself, locating yourself within, you know, disciplines. So, yeah, it was, ar- it was already, like, on my agenda, and I wanted to touch back on what Aubrey was sort of talking about as far as like her really enjoying her program with that community there. I mean, that's one of the biggest benefits I've found and one of the starkest differences um, aside from like the genre of school and type of work and the sleep deprivation. Um, the real big like, change, and I think it's a great thing, is just the sense of community. You are surrounding yourself with people who like passionately want to change the world who are intelligent people, who have similar interests, um, but always like all of us are marked with that that passion and that energy, and we're very like a dynamic group. So that group community, like that that vibe, just keeps growing and keeps feeling better. I, I mean, I'm in my second year. I haven't gotten sick of it yet. So and it's never the same conversation. Um, there's certainly similar flavors across conversations, but like that community is great and. I mean, I wouldn't have changed, you know, that for the world, right? right? And I think anybody who's like anybody who's thinking about going, especially from you know a smaller uh, university like Saginaw Valley, thinking about going to grad school, I would definitely push them towards it because you get a whole another sense of academia, right? I think SVSU does a lot of great things, um, but it's different when you're. You know, I'm working a job off campus, and then I have to drive 20 minutes to campus, right, right, to go to Saginaw Valley. Here, like, the university is the center, and I'm just there all the time with the, with the same people, and it's great. Right. So uh, we have two um, separate perspectives, two different um, uh, university perspectives. How do you each go about adding your voice to the TechCom conversation? Whoa. <laughs> Is that too heavy? I'm sorry. <laughs> I think that's so heavy considering it's 930 in the morning here. No. <laughs> I don't know. Chris, do you want to answer first? 
I mean, I uh, I talk loudly and carry a big oh. stick. Oh, <laughs> carry a big pen. Yeah, I <laughs> no. talk a lot. <laughs> no. Well, um, well, maybe part of that question too, if I can um, uh, unpack it a bit, is how have you found your voice that you can then uh, look to contribute to the conversation? Yeah, certainly. Um, well, I, I think having read and sort of being in that like classroom laboratory thing where you are seeing a lot of different perspectives at the same time. You sit there for three hours and you hear each person's individual voice and you're like, wait a minute, that's a little bit different than that. That's a little bit different than that. So you can sort of parse it out and say, so I can just be me, right? Like, I don't need to put on this, this sort of academic language thing. I don't need. I can just speak like in a voice that is going through my head, my sort of uh, my real who I identify with, right? So, um, and part of that has been afforded by like having read uh, various perspectives, right? Like I think the first book I read in grad school was Bootstraps by Victor Villanueva. Mm-hmm. And it's a mixed genre piece, and voice is like foregrounded in it all the time. I think mean, there's a entire chapter dedicated to um, you know not using uh, the Spanish language when you're working, right, and using English only, right. So um, and that like conversation was my first entrance into grad school. We're like, okay, we sort of sometimes like check people on how they can use their voice and power is in there and like oh shoot this is awesome now we're talking about these theoretical constructs and we're just talking and we're all allowing each other um sort of that freedom so i guess like the big thing the big unve- unveiling for me was the fact that people have done it before right and that voice is something that you should think about right so i don't know if that like answers your question i don't know if you want me to like get specifics into like research interests or maybe if i toss it off to to banning over there oh goodness um (laughs) well i'll you know i'll hold on to the baton for at least a little while i guess um i don't know kind of going off of what you're saying i actually find that i guess trying to find you know i don't know my voice or just my way to contribute in the classroom um i mean well dr scott actually never had me in the classroom but i'm sure you can guess I'm really, like, I'm really vocal. I speak up a lot. Um, I I like that, you know, now, I mean, granted, I I guess I felt like I had the same kind of freedom, like, in my third and fourth year at SVSU because I knew the faculty so well. Um, And things were, you know, already relatively chill and uh, kind of mature. But, um, you know, we're, we're just sitting down and having a conversation, right? It's not like I'm raising my hand when I have something to contribute, we're, we're all just sitting around and we're just talking together. Um, and I kind of take advantage of that and I'll, you know, and I'll just say, I'll just say something that I'm feeling or I'll say, well, do, you know, well, wait, what about this and this and this? Um, so I, I guess at least in the classroom, like, you know, it is my first semester and there are several things that I, there are plenty of things that I still don't know, but there are also, um, you know, plenty of things that I have an opinion on or that I have a different perspective on. So I just say them. <laughs> I mean, I know that some people like that, you know, some people in my cohort um, or I guess at least some people in some of my classes, um, you know, they'll they'll speak up. But I don't know that they I don't know that they all take the same mindset that I do. I don't even know if it's a good mindset to have. 
But the way that I feel about it is like, okay, I'm just going to say this thing that I want to say. It's not going to, like, it's not necessarily something long. It can just be like a brief, like, um, wait, wasn't that not an episode of Arrow or something like that? It doesn't have to be something important. And I think I've kind of taken, I don't know, I guess I've just accepted that I can say things in class and they don't have to be the most brilliant thing that has ever come out of my mouth. Like no one's going to judge me and maybe we'll all actually, uh, you know, um, kind of be excited about like a different perspective or like, you know, kind of a ha ha. Okay. Like, okay. We have this like fun moment to just like be chill. Um, so yeah, I'm actually, I speak up a lot in my classes, yeah, but at and, the same time, oh, I'm sorry. I'm read. At the same time, right, like, no one, we like to think that no one's judging us, but, like, we still sort of bring those sedimented, like, affective states. Uh, like, that's still very real. Um, like, you'll share something in class, and no one says anything back to it. And you're like, wait a minute, was that legit? Like, that's still a very real thing for a lot of us, um, that sort of imposter syndrome. So I think, like, having... I guess the swagger and saying like, okay, it doesn't always have to be big. And I don't really need to like, I don't always need to get a big response or a big reception for the, uh, for what I say. So like, I mean, it's still, I don't know. It's, uh, it's a balancing act. I think, mm-hmm. um, voice is one of those tricky things. I just read a dissertation, uh, by somebody who graduated here a couple of years ago, um, about like her first chapter was listening to transformative pedagogies in a classroom and being like, wait, because I'm from an affluent family, I, uh, they don't seem to be like talking about me. How can I contribute to this? And, uh, and then from there building up a theory of like relocalized listening is what I think it was called. So, yeah. And, and uh, I've heard you guys say on a couple uh, different occasions, uh, in our chat today, uh, about the importance of, the cohort, the community, the collaboration, and mm-hmm. to kind of build off some of the things you're saying, uh, even from my own experiences uh, as a graduate student, you know, being in, a, in the environment uh, of a bunch of like-minded or at least uh, folks who have similar interests as you, and, and just being able to engage on a very consistent daily basis uh, with these people is, is part of that really enriched, uh, enriching experience of graduate school. And you know, again, I think this is something that's sort of been echoed in a lot of what you guys have said today. I want to switch gears maybe a little bit, and uh, you know, could you guys talk a little bit about how your experiences here, going through the curriculum at SVSU, might have prepared you for the kinds of experiences that you're, um, you know, entrenched in right now in your graduate studies? Yeah. So I have actually said on more than one occasion um, here, even that I I kind of think of SVSU's program as like a wannabe graduate program. And I mean that in the best way, (laughs) like in the sense that there are a lot of things that we already do or that we, you know, that we did um, in SVSU's program that, you know, is the way that uh, a lot of the graduate programs that I was researching are set up, right? Um, Or at least like the kind of, uh, I want to say like, maybe more specialized classes. So like even just like to have um, an editing class or like I took a rhetoric of environmental science class with, uh, was it environmental science? Something like that was Dr. J. I don't know, Chris, you were in that class, Mm -hmm. but uh, yeah. So, I mean, even I think just to have those like more specific classes to have topical classes 
revolving around um, technical communication is something I think that was really unique to an undergraduate program. Um, so I think, I think especially, you know, coming out of a TechCom program into a TechCom graduate program, um, I may be more familiar with, um, how do I put this? I wish I could say I'm more familiar with some of the scholars because I should be, but I'm, I don't ever remember their names. I'm so bad about it, but, um, I at least feel like, or I did, I guess I did feel like, and I still feel like, um, I've already, you know, I've already created some of these kinds of texts, right? Maybe they're not exactly the same and maybe the expectations are different, but it's not like I'm starting from scratch with this knowledge. And, um, and I feel like to an extent, it's easier for me to understand maybe, um, I don't know, maybe how to join that conversation. And even in the application process, um, I mean, no, I wasn't in school at the time, but I would, you know, I would come to the RPW suite and I would just, uh, you know, I'd meet with you, know, you Dr. Scott, I'd meet with Dr. Jay and I'd right. meet with Dr. Morzog. And I had all of these resources to pull from when I was trying to, uh, you know, figure out what grad school is really about and uh, understand like the kind of the reputation of the programs I was looking at or what their research interests were, um, the kind of questions I should be asking. That was huge. Like even just to have the that pile of resources to pull from. Um, and I know that there are people in my cohort right now who, you know, they just came from six years um, in industry. They were, just, you know, she was working in Washington, D.C. Or, um, you know, someone else came from a sciences uh, program. Someone else came from a literature program. So, you know, we do have those different experiences all kind of coming together. Um, and I think, you know, one advantage that I definitely had over uh, maybe especially those people who were coming from non-English departments um, or not coming straight from another program in general is that I already kind of understood um, some of the language. I already kind of understood how I could connect to that community. Um, I think that maybe showed in my statement of purpose, hopefully. And uh, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Like in the, I think even just the application process in general, I was really fortunate to have those resources and to have that knowledge of um, technical writing and a little, you know, a little bit of the theory, a little bit of the uh, praxis, because it really, really helped when I needed to know, you know, okay, wait, so what is the assistantship? Um, like, you know, what kind of students or when I, when would I be teaching or, you know, would I be working in a writing center? Because I knew to ask those kind of questions because I knew that those are, you know, kind of traditional experiences. And um, that's, I, I think we kind of took for granted that some people would already know that, right, you know, right. yeah. already know how to join the conversation in that way. So for all the undergraduate students listening in or potentially listening in, <laughs> what kind of advice would you give them? How should they maybe, if they're thinking about going to grad school, how should they prepare themselves to, to make that step? I think it's a very tech com approach. Uh, I just make, I made this huge spreadsheet. I made a lot of lists. I have this like system of bookmarks in, um, in Chrome. And that was how I kept everything organized. And I just... I mean, I guess pick the coffee shop of your choice and just hunker down there for like 12 hours a day. Uh, get to know everyone on a first name basis. Make sure you drink water. And <laughs> this is like the survival um, guy for grad exactly. 
And yeah, I mean, my spreadsheet had 30, 38 programs on it. Um, and that was specifically looking at, you know, That's huge writing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. It <laughs> seems a bit overwhelming, but I guess if that's what I mean, if that's what needs to be done. I, I know Chris had a spreadsheet. The spreadsheet technique is very popular and I think effective. Um, yeah, I mean, I it's guess, a visual, it's a, you're visualizing, it's a visualization, right? It's like the sort of mnemonic device. So you don't forget things. And so you have things all in one place sort of serves um, in a lot of ways just as like a, a document that determines what you're going to do and sort of guides your hand as you're doing it. Um, yeah, I, I had a spreadsheet. It wasn't 30 or 40 programs. Um, as far as MA programs in, in writing, maybe understood through composition, maybe understood through like tech com, um, you're going to have to help me out with this, Dr. Scott, but I don't think Derek Mueller out of EMU yeah, put the yeah. Master's Consortium together in yeah, 2012. Yeah, him and, uh, and, and Dr. Uh, Dr. John Dunn as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and that is, uh, that's awesome, right? Like to find those things and and use that as, as a way of guiding where you'd like to apply. Because, I mean, if you were to poll, you know, a dozen people, give me 10 programs, like you'd get you'd get a, a, a list of like, maybe you get four or five common ones across the themes, but you'd get a long list. And, you know, sitting down and polling people might not be the best way of like the best method for grabbing that information. So. Yeah, I, I guess there wasn't, it definitely felt like I was researching something that I knew nothing about because I hadn't been asking questions about grad school when I was actually at SBC's program. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden I was like, oh my gosh, I have to just, like, I have to just try to understand um, what these programs are about, right? So, I mean, I, I felt like I was kind of starting from nothing in a sense. Like, I felt like if I if I picked out a name, I could ask, you know, I could ask about it. Or I guess I felt, I knew that Dr. Scott would recommend, you know, Eastern, for example. <laughs> so, like, Eastern made it, Eastern was on the spreadsheet right away. Michigan State was on the spreadsheet right away. But, you know, some of the programs, there's just so many... Um, so many out there uh, that I really just needed to start looking and start seeing what they were about. And um, I mean, most of them have fairly extensive websites, so you can get a sense of their research or maybe they have their, their course catalog up so you can see, you know, do they offer more practical courses, which is what I was looking for, or um, which would be very different than what, you know, the kind of programs that Chris was looking at. Um, I guess what I was going to say is if I gave like a very tangible maybe almost bulleted, like, boom, 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 this is what you should do if you are currently in uh, SVSU's, you know, PTW program and you, or RPW program, PTW major, and you're considering grad school, um, talk to Dr. Herzog. Dr. Herzog has a copy of my spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> and he also has the link to, I don't know if it's the consortium that you were talking about, Chris, but the map that we were using. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So Dr. Herzog has that link also, which is basically just like a map of the, of I think of just the U.S. and um, like writing programs throughout the U.S. So I I used that as um, kind of a, a start, and then I just kind of sifted out the programs that seemed a lot more comp ret, and I focused on the programs that seemed more tech com. Um, so yeah, use Dr. Herzog as a resource. Use the spreadsheet that I already made as like a starting point. Although it'll be a lot more helpful if you're looking at TC instead of uh, comp. 
and just like, you know, start your own research. I mean, definitely like reach out to the faculty that you trust and that, you know, understand your goals and ask, you know, ask their opinions, ask, um, ask them which programs you, they think that you should look into, um, and, and do, you know, like really set aside the time to find out everything that you can about the programs that you, you're, that you're most interested in, right? Don't spend an hour on every website, spend an hour on the program websites that you think really seem like a fit. Um, also decide ahead of time, whether you're willing to do a quarter system, which I was not. So you can just chop those. You can just take those right off the list. Easy. Boom, mm-hmm. boom, boom. Um, and, you know, decide, um, oh gosh, what was the other thing that was like a big factor? Decide if you're willing to do a thesis. I was not. <laughs> I, I was, I mean, I, I guess there were, there were uh, programs on my spreadsheet that I have a thesis only um, kind of, um, I don't know. I don't want to say defense, uh, defense well, as, a, as a capstone project for that. Right, 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 as a capstone project. But, um, but I knew that I was looking for an unthesis program. So kind of make those determinations as early on as you can. So you can start filtering through and then just really like research intensely the couple programs that you're interested in. Um, I know for, I know Chris maybe applied to a couple more than I did, but I applied to four programs. I applied to programs that I really wanted to go to and that had an assistantship and a a cost of living um, in that area that seemed reasonable because I wasn't going to go to grad school unless I knew that my assistantship was going to help me pay for basically all of it. Um, And unless I felt like I would enjoy living in that area and attending that program. So, yeah, I don't know. I guess uh, have some kind of, you know, mystical find yourself event. You don't have to spend three months on the beach. Um, maybe just like go for a walk. <laughs> you know? Which would be a lot cheaper too, right? Yeah. Uh, well, I don't, I don't know. I mean, Michigan is beautiful in the fall. I'm actually missing all of the trees changing colors. That has not happened here yet. Well, they've already yeah. changed colors and now they're, they're barren. Now they're dead. Oh, well, okay. So maybe don't go for a walk outside. I hear it's cold. Um, go for a walk around SPSU. Uh, <laughs> Arbery's beautiful this time of year. And um, yeah, just, I guess think about what, what matters most to you and, you know, really start to hone in on that. And um, I don't know, do your research. Go to Starbucks for 12 hours. The one on Titabwasi is really great. They won't bug you if you just sit there with one coffee, the same coffee all day. They don't care. So one of the points here that I think is really important, you know, as our field grows, there's a lot of really great programs across the country that have that offer uh, master's programs. And there's a lot of different flavors of those master's programs. And I think, Aubrey, you've alluded to this a little bit. Uh, in your in your discussion, there's some that focus more on, on tech com. There's some that focus more on composition. There's some that uh, provide a really broad uh, rhetorical base. So as you guys were looking at these programs, you know, Aubrey had her list of 38. Chris's list wasn't quite as big. But how do you whittle down these programs and think about, okay, well, well actually, let me back up. <laughs> how do you kind of decide what it is that you're looking for and then use that to help whittle down those programs. So um, I think there's like, think about the organizations, think about like what you want your expertise to be or what expertise you already bring and what expertise you already are interested in. So 
more concretely, me whittling down programs. Um, it was important to me to uh, to have a program that, because the PhD, from MA to PhD, was uh, still, like, it was on the radar, and they haven't talked me out of it yet. So it was important for me to go to a place that offered the support and the sort of, like, connections with, um, with getting to that next, you know, grad school 2.0, I guess. Um, that's kind of reductive, but right, <clears throat> whatever. Uh, I'm just going to go for it. Be <laughs> bold today. Um, <laughs> so that was, that was important for me. So I, uh, I looked at programs like Louisville was, was a good fit for me, um, partially because like it was rec comp, so it was rhetoric and composition uh, oriented, not just writing studies. And I mean, that, not just that doesn't mean it's a bad thing, right? It's right. Uh, it was a, a broadly understood um, program. They had PhD students that I'm going to take classes with that I am taking classes with that are my close, wonderful peers now. Um, so they've been helpful in, in saying, okay, well, the support system isn't just faculty who have done it, but it's also students here who have done it who are sharing with me their writing samples their statements of purpose, their CVs, et cetera. So like I see their documents and they, it got them to U of L, which is a fine place to be, right? That's an admirable accomplishment. So, um, so I was very pragmatic. Like I certainly took a look at the course catalog, right? I took a look at classes I wanted to take, um, with professors that whose work I, I admired or whose work I thought like, Oh, I might do something similar to this. So I definitely looked at the course catalog and such. And then I made those other considerations, right? Do I want to live in this area? Um, that's significant. People might tell you not to, like, oh, don't base your decision on that. But to an extent, it's part of, like, you have to enjoy where you live. You have to still be a human. You're not mm -hmm. some sort of grad machine. So definitely keep that in mind. Keep in mind the course catalog and what they're offering and keep in mind the other sort of cultures of writing they have around and cultures of research. So uh, is it PhD students and MA students in the same program in the same classes? Like is there a divide between maybe the creative writing and <laughs> the composition program? Um, like, does that exist? Do you want to go to a place that's more of a shark tank like that? Um, so I found like I hit gold here. Uh, it's awesome. I love it. It's everything I could have asked for. And as far as whittling it down, uh, it was really simple for me because only a few programs offered me funding. I didn't have the luxury that Aubrey had where every place just wanted to work with her. Uh, no, three <laughs> out of four places. <laughs> okay. That's only a 75% success rate. That's yeah. pretty good. That's fast man. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's, you should be a mathematician. <laughs> this oh, is why okay. you're in a tech program. Huh? Yes. Um, yeah, so uh, I didn't – I mean, go – where you, where it's the best financial decision for you. Some people will say don't take out loans to get an MA. Maybe there's some truth to that. Speaking from experience, I have friends who uh, are in their PhD program here who didn't get a funded MA and had to take out loans, and that worked well for them. So, uh, and now they're like they're doing the thing they wanted to do. So um, that sort of uh, like financial conservatism that sort of runs deep through there. Don't do it. Don't do it. It's, it's worthless. I mean, if, if it's the only way sometimes like that's a choice to make, well, but okay. Yeah. I want to comment on that because I'm not going on to a PhD program. So it wouldn't have made very much sense for me to 
do my MA if it wasn't funded because I would have, in a sense, just been been back where I was with, you know, with more experience except with with debt because I don't have any debt for my undergrad. And I was like, um, I really don't want to start over. You know, I don't want to go back to school to be in debt, right? Um, like, I guess I value the skills that I already had enough that I knew I could have gotten a job eventually, but I don't know if it would have been the job and I don't know how willing I felt to leave Michigan. I guess the way that I feel about it now, and I don't know if this is quite how Chris feels, but um, especially if there's no sure thing that what you want to do means that you need a PhD, um, or I guess just even if you're just not sure if you're, if you're going on to that PhD, I wouldn't recommend going into a program unless you had funding and I wouldn't take out loans unless they were small loans, like helping you get started. Right. Because for me, my assistantship financially, it's enough to live on month to month. It's not going to, you know, it's not going to like help me, uh, put, uh, you know, there's, there's no like payments toward a new car happening or something like that. Right. It's just, it's, it's just enough to live like a grad student, which is fine. Um, but I guess, I might endorse some kind of, um, how do I put this? I guess I understand like the financially conservative mindset when it comes to applying to grad schools, because that's how I felt about it. Um, but I guess it depends. I, I wouldn't recommend taking out loans to go to a grad school. that's like, you know, maybe only an hour from where you live. Right. Because the chances are then you're, you're going to be applying for the same kinds of jobs when you graduate in two years. So you just kind of have to hope that your experiences at that point are enough to make up, you know, to, to kind of make up for whatever you were lacking two years before. I would say that actually probably one of the best things about grad school, at least for me, and I don't know about for you, Chris, is actually like the, it's actually the big move, right? It's actually coming to a completely new location um, where your program has a completely different kind of network and completely different resources, um, not only for internships, but for, uh, you know, for jobs as well. And I, you know, I think to an extent, just like now carrying, um, carrying whatever reputation your particular program has. So I don't know. I was very financially conservative. I had scholarships. So I want to touch on just a couple things. Yeah. Okay. If I, if I can respond. Okay. So, um, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's legitimate, right? Not taking out lo- saying like, I'm not going to take out loans. That's totally legitimate. But at the same time, um, like you do you. And if it makes sense to do it, I mean, some programs don't offer funding. So like some people go there and it makes sense for them. So like, yeah, just making the most sense out of, um, of what you have to do in order to reach your goals and to sort of consult your financial advisor. That's like the legal disclaimer all the time, right? Um, also yeah, we're not qualified like, to do say any of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah but, but also, like, I don't know. We can we can argue about it uh, off camera, I guess. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> also, uh, the big move. I think you can also understand that, like, metaphorically, not necessarily literally, because I mean, shame if you live in a place that has a great program that. Uh, and you're not going to go there because it's your hometown, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it can also be metaphorically like it's a huge perk to jump to a new pond, right? To jump into like be swimming with new fishies. Um, <laughs> that's like metaphorically too, right? So uh, if I mean moving from 
uh, undergrad to a uh, graduate program, you're with different fish now, um, or you should be, I imagine, right? And that's like awesome, right? You get those new networks, you get those new sort of connections. So yeah, I think that's great advice. And to follow that metaphor a little bit further, you completely immerse yourself when you make that big move into that mm-hmm. into that um, community of again you know like-minded or, or, or similar thinking folks yeah. as yourself and and so by you know they become they become your 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 support network in the because you're in this new space and you're in this new community and, and you know it can be different and, and 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 new and all that but by completely immersing yourself in again there's um, you know you don't maybe necessarily have all the kinds of distractions <laughs> that you might have back at home too so yeah and i think that sort of uh taking on the new identity does a lot for yourself too right you're like totally you you yourself you're willing to think of things a little bit differently or you're afforded certain um things or certain privileges because like oh now i'm a graduate student right oh now um i'm treated just a little bit differently i'm tr- uh i'm given you know, longer time to talk in classes, you know, the, this whole structure has changed. So yeah, uh, it becomes this immersion, this safety net, this weird web of metaphors. <laughs> well, one of the things that I want to say, and I think that this speaks to a lot of what you guys have been talking about, uh, you know, thinking about the financial commitments, thinking about the, uh, you know, rich community that you're involved in, and one of the interesting things is that as as graduate students, and again, I think Chris and Aubrey, your uh, you know backgrounds and experiences speak to this well. Some folks enter programs coming right out of their undergraduate experience. Mm-hmm. Some folks take a little bit of time off and and, and maybe have worked full time for a number of years and come back. Certainly, in my experience with the with the you know friends and the cohort that I went through my master's and PhD programs with, you know, people come from all over the place and and for all different kinds of reasons. And so I wonder. You know, maybe to wrap things up, if you guys could give, you know, that 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 you know, one nugget of advice to somebody who might be thinking about graduate school, uh, what would, you know, what would be maybe that one thing that would help them make that decision one way or the other? Okay, um, Aubrey, do you want me to start? Yep. Okay, start with my nugget of advice. Um, contextually, should they be students coming from uh, Saginaw Valley? Ideally. Sure. Yes. Okay. So, uh, so students in the PTW program coming from Saginaw Valley considering uh, graduate school, my nugget of advice would be to, to reflect on what you want to be doing in five years, right, or ten years or however, like to have that sort of game plan already set up. And, but at the same time, to entertain alternatives and to say, like, okay, what I need to do is – I want to be researching. I want to be making a difference in the world. And grad school can be that if, uh, if that's what you're into, right? Um, you can make the, a difference in the world in other ways too. But for me, like, I really wanted – I was passionate about trying to change our communities um, in general. So that's broad, sweeping generalization, sure. But uh, so the graduates, uh, graduate opportunity has afforded me time to sit and think about them. Right, to read the books that uh, form like theoretical discussions on you know large political action or on the decisions that impact us every day. So to sit and think about that, to I'm afforded time to read, to g- gather that knowledge. Also afforded the sort of laboratory of ears with my friends. I can talk things out with a community who 
have read many of the same things, but many other different things too. So I had this whole network of like knowledge base that like usability, usability tests of my idea. I can just throw it out there and they're like, mm, I don't know how that flies with this. I don't know how that flies with that. So, um, so think about what your role is in changing right, your communities, what your role is in making a difference. And um, if your role is that sort of like thinking piece that uh, it is for me, then, then graduate school is a great option. If your role is more like I just want to go out and help people in, in a way that's recognized differently, then, you know, maybe graduate school, at least in my field, doesn't work for you. So that's my sort of theoretical idealist sort of opinion. I'm sure um, when I pass the baton to Banning, she'll give a more uh, more grounded explanation. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, to an extent. I guess I would say if you're considering grad school, um, hmm broaden your mindset as much as possible right so like accept that maybe grad school will happen it maybe it won't and like that needs to be a possibility that you're prepared for you know it's a possibility that I was prepared for um and think about what other things you you know you would not only be willing to do but what other things you might like to do you know have a backup plan have a backup backup plan um and you know just there's no there's no one path I mean I'm going to school right now with uh, people who didn't go back to grad school, um, or, you know, like one person who's going back to grad school now, you know, six years after they graduated from their BA. Um, I'm also going to school with some people who have like six degrees at this point. <laughs> it's really crazy. Um, so, you know, there's no one path for anyone and there's no reason that grad school has to be right away, but maybe grad school right away works for you. Um, I guess don't feel like, don't feel like if you make the decision to go to grad school, oh, I should, actually, I should start even sooner. Don't feel like if you apply to grad schools, you have to go to them. You can always say no, right? Um, and then don't feel like once you start in a program, you know, that's the only thing that you'll ever do for the rest of your life, because that's just not true either, right? Um, you, you, you know, one of the great things about the kind of work that we're doing and even as different as um, the stuff that Chris and I do, uh, it, it's kind of inextricably tied. And, um, you know, we are kind of qualified to do to be doing some of the some of the work that that uh, that each other is doing. Um, and, you know, I might decide in five years, 10 years, 20 years. Oh, you know, I'd really like to go back to school to get this degree and do this. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess like that's the mindset that I would recommend approaching grad school as an option. It's an option, right? It's an option. That, and it's something that might happen now. It's something that might happen later. Um, it's something that might happen now in one context and happen later in a different context. And don't feel like, you know, I mean, I, I don't know how this sounds, but, you know, don't feel like you have to, you know, the world isn't the same as it was for you know, like our parents or my parents, at least where you're doing the same thing, you know, you're working, you know, the exact same job for the rest of your life. Right. Um, there are options, there are new jobs out there and there are a lot of, there are a lot of jobs that people in tech com or people in composition are prepared to do. Um, so I guess just keep in mind, like, I guess just be willing to be flexible in your own life. 
think about all the things you might be willing to do and all the things you'd really love to do and prioritize them in order of how soon you'd like to do them. But, um, just, I don't know, just keep in mind that they could all, they could all happen. They might all still happen. Um, it's just one of them is going to happen sooner than the others. Yeah. And I think it's important for us to kind of keep that in perspective that in, in, in a lot of ways, your graduate experience, it doesn't last forever. It's mm-hmm. usually a means to an end. And with that said, though, it, it, it really is one of the only times in your lives though, that you can be so immersed in a very intellectual way with a lot of, again, other folks who are in that similar position. You can And you can commiserate and share in each other's successes and really, you know, again, kind of immerse yourself in the reading and the theory and the writing. And even though there's opportunities to do that, you know, in your careers, graduate school is sort of the only pass that you get to be able to, to do that and, and, you know, make that your life. Yeah, I totally oh, agree with that. I mean, no one's going to pay me um, to sit around and read books. I mean, maybe they will. <laughs> if you can find that job. I think that's a librarian, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> no, they, they sort the books. That's right. You know, that's I, are they even allowed to read them? I, I don't know. Right? Like... What are the rules? Yeah, I'm glad you brought up means to an end because it is. I mean, the university and grad school still is credential. It's like making, giving you credentials, right? And for some jobs, you need those credentials. And if that's the sort of career path you want to go down, um, maybe there aren't other options. If you want to teach at a community college, um, you will need a graduate degree most of the time. So, yeah, it is a necessity, I guess, would be my advice. Like, oh, yeah, so what's necessitating you going to grad school? Find that what's necessary or find that what is making it necessary and engage with it and explore it. Well, I want to thank you both for your time today and the great conversation we've had. Uh, so thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks. Thanks hey, so much. Thanks. Well, we want to thank Aubrey and Chris again for joining us today and having a great conversation. And I just want to say, if you're thinking about pursuing graduate studies, whether it's at the master's or the doctoral level, it's definitely a great pursuit for your intellectual growth and the intellectual challenge that you'll receive. But make sure that you're thinking about that commitment, both financial commitment and the time commitment. Uh, but, you know, Again, have those thoughts, have those conversations with your with yourself, with your loved ones, and get a hold of the colleges. Think about uh, the kinds of programs that you want to be invested in mm-hmm. and do your research. There you go. I'm not entirely sold yet on going to grad school, but I really appreciate the, the insight and the information that Chris and Aubrey were able to share with us. Uh, speaking of sharing things with us, if you have any uh, comments, questions, concerns about the podcast, we are located on Twitter. Uh, you can find us at the Tech Rapport. That's the Tech Rapport, R A P P O R T. Go ahead and uh, get in touch with us there. And yeah, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, we'll catch you in episode six. Thanks, everybody. Later. Later.